It's time for the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Brimmer, your number one source for the latest Colts news, information, and discussion. It's time to kick things off. Hello, Colts fans. Welcome to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast. I'm your producer, Heather B., and I'm here with CNHI Sports Indiana executive editor, Colts beat writer, and your travel-weary host, George Brimmer. This week, we're going to rehash the disaster in Dallas, answer your questions about the preseason so far, and let you listen in on our one-on-one interview with Colts rookie safety Malik Hooker. But George, first off, the big news since we last got together has been center Ryan Kelly out with a foot injury. Yeah, it seems like all the big news that's been coming out of this preseason as it pertains to Indianapolis has been bad, and, and the Kelly news is probably right near the top of the list. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting that it's a bone defect, which is yeah, – I looked it up on the internet, and that's never a good idea. Nope, don't do that. It, just don't. And uh, it, it's it's a serious injury. It's something that right now they're estimating – the team hasn't given an official timeline, but the estimates that are out there are around six to eight weeks. It obviously happened last week, so it's a five- to seven-week thing now. It's obviously something that's going to bleed into the regular season. He could miss pretty much the first month of the regular season. And for an offensive line that really a lot of people had hoped for this year, growing off of a strong performance at the end of last year, this is a major, significant setback because now all of a sudden you're dealing with the leader of this line, a guy who even in just his second year is already this, the probably the best offensive lineman on this roster, and he's going to miss a significant portion of the regular season. But the good news is Brian Schwenke activated from Pup, ready to go as the backup center? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he can get up to, to speed now. Schwenke was brought in from the Tennessee Titans as kind of insurance against this very kind of thing. He, he's a guy who has some flexibility, can play a little bit at guard, but obviously now that, that focus is going to be on center. He has 28 career starts. Uh, 25 of them came at center, so it's something that he's used to. Uh, they still got Deshaun Bond, who's an undrafted rookie out of Warren Central. Uh, who's in the mix and they also are taking a look at Adam Redman who spent some time last year with him on the practice squad Uh, he's a young guy from Harvard and between those three right now it looks like they're gonna have to find somebody but I still don't rule out the idea that once we get to the final cutdowns once that fourth preseason game is done next week and you see what happens around the league you would think that center might be a spot that they're keeping their eye on let's dive a little deeper into the offensive line does it scare you that with two weeks left in the preseason, they're still in search of a right tackle? Significantly. We talked just a little bit earlier about how important uh, or how much optimism there actually was going into the offseason because the offensive line kind of came together at the end of last year, started to build some chemistry throughout the offseason together. They worked out in Indianapolis. There's a big deal made about that this spring, and you felt like there were five guys, most of them young guys, Anthony Costanzo, Joe Haig, Ryan Kelly, Jack Muhort, and LaRaven Clark, who were going to fit in and, and be that starting five, that's not been the case. Injuries started happening very quickly. Joe Haig missed a week of, of camp. Jack Muhort's been in and out as they kind of rest his knee a little bit. He's still coming back from that injury last year. The Kelly injury, which as we talked about, has been devastating. And now LaRaven Clark, for whatever reason, seems to have fallen out of favor with head coach Chuck Pagano, and they're looking for somebody new at right tackle. Jeremy Vunovich got the start at Dallas. He's still getting some first-team reps with the team. 
rookie Zach Banner also getting some first-team reps there. And Pagano even mentioned a guy who's kind of become a forgotten man in all of this, Denzel Good, who started four games as a rookie in 2015 at right tackle, and then last year started 10 games as a guard. He's also in the mix now. He's been coming back from injury. So it's really scary when you think about the fact that they are just a little over two weeks away from traveling out to Los Angeles to play that first game, and the offensive line is still this unsettled. And, of course, the only reason we care about the offensive line is because they protect the quarterback. And speaking of quarterbacks, Schwanky came off pup. We thought maybe Andrew Luck would pop up this week as coming off pup as well, but no go yet. Um, at this point, with him not being in practice this week, would you say that week one is a no-go? You know, I learned a long time ago to never say never with Andrew Luck. He does things that most humans can't do. We've seen that on the field from him many times. Going back to his rookie year in Detroit and that comeback he had against the Lions, and I said that day, I will never underestimate Andrew Luck again. I have not always lived up to that promise. I've been burnt by it before, and maybe I will again. Uh, but I, it, it's getting to the point where I think it's very difficult to imagine him playing in week one because as we're taping this right now on, on a Wednesday evening, they have one practice day left this week, and then you've got the extremely short week four week coming up. They're going to travel to Pittsburgh on Friday. They're going to play the game on Saturday. They're going to travel back from Pittsburgh on Sunday. They're going to practice Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday will be a walkthrough. And then that week four exhibition game against the Bengals. So you're looking at if he came back tomorrow, three days at most of practice uh, before week one. Now, he would have the full week one week, but... It just seems like for a guy who hasn't played football since January, even somebody who's done as many remarkable things as Andrew Luck and who is as talented as Andrew Luck, that seems like a really impossible timeline. Again, you know, to some extent I've learned my lesson and you never underestimate him, but I I would say it's probably twenty percent or lower the odds that he would he would play in week one. And really week two is in a lot of question for along the same lines. I think right now a realistic goal is the week three home game against the Browns. What does that do to the Colts season? Two games. Is, is, does that make a big impact with only 16 games? Yeah. You know, and it's it's been interesting because the last three years this team has started 0-2. I think everybody's really aware of that. The first time they did it, they rallied and, and went to the AFC Championship game. The last two years, it's cost them dearly, and, and they've missed the playoffs. And in both cases – uh, they miss the playoffs by just a game or two. So a win there and a win against Houston in December in each of the last two years, and you know the playoff streak is still alive. So it it is really important. I think the Rams are a game a lot of people look at and say that could be an ugly game. Maybe they could find a way to pull it out uh, without Andrew Luck. It, it's really, really difficult to see them beating a Bruce Arians coached Cardinals team without their starting quarterback in week two. And I think that would be really disappointing from the fan standpoint, too. You, you wait all year for the home opener and you get out there and, and the one guy who they most want to see is still on the sideline. But I think what's really important in all of this, and Chris Ballard has said it from the, from the get-go, I mean, even back as far as the draft in April when he was talking about this, they're not going to make short-term decisions here. They're not going to do something now to get him out there earlier than maybe he otherwise might get there and, and jeopardize something down the road. I've said this many times, but it's just as true now as, as ever. This is 
every bit as much about 2027 as it is about 2017. And if they have to sacrifice the first two weeks of the regular season to make sure that he is absolutely positively where they want him to be, I don't think they have any hesitation with that. So let's take a minute to talk about the game two in Dallas. As I said in the opening, kind of a disaster. It was really tough to watch especially for the defense. I think that's a unit we coming in thought could really show some things, hopefully against Dak Prescott and Des Bryant, but that didn't happen. And that opening drive, uh, you can tell even this week, Chuck Pagano still just disgusted by it. And it's hard not to be. Seven plays, 95 yards. It ends with a 32-yard touchdown with Des Bryant beating Vontae Davis. And Vontae's taken quite a bit of flack for that, but – that was honestly a great play by Des Bryant. He's going to do that to you every now and again. I think people sometimes forget when you get the two stars out there, sometimes the other team's star is going to win. And I think in that play in particular, that's what happened. But the offensive line from Dallas, everybody knows how good they are. They absolutely dominated the Colts front. I think the Colts, uh, Ted Monachino said after Wednesday's practice, he was not surprised by Dallas's performance. Obviously, it's what they saw on tape. But he was disappointed. He thought his guys would answer the call a little bit better. And I think a lot of people felt that way. You really had that starting defensive line out there of Al Woods, Henry Anderson, and Jonathan Hankins. And along with John Simon and, and Jabal Sheard, who are part of that front seven as the outside linebackers, and then the starting middle linebackers were together for, for the first time and Antonio Morrison and John Bostic. And Darren McFadden was just running through that defense. There were huge gains big gashing yards and it really started again on the second drive they had an 11 play drive and ate up 71 yards before Simon and Matthias Farley were able to force a fumble from McFadden that that Vontae recovered at the Colts seven yard line otherwise it's at least 10 to nothing maybe 14 to nothing to start that game with most of your starters out there so uh, that was a really really discouraging thing and then for the offense to during that same time go three and out twice but it wasn't just any normal three and outs. Both three and outs, Scott Tolzien completes passes short of the sticks on third and, and manageable distances. That that just can't happen. And that start was probably as bad as the Colts could imagine. I think they got outgained 189 to 13 in the first quarter. And the only reason it's tied at seven is because Barkevius Mingo breaks through the line knocks the football away from backup quarterback Kellen Moore, and LeVar Edwards picks it up and scores from 15 yards out. Otherwise, they're, they're behind. It's And I think the reason a lot of people are going to say, hey, it's the preseason, don't worry. You see this all the time. The Colts are 5-27 and 27 or something like that since 1999 in preseason games. The reason it's so concerning is that it happened with guys who are regulars, who are going to be counted on during this season for this team, and it's it happened in areas that you've seen them struggle for with in the regular season before. The run game, the big plays in the passing game, not getting pressure on the quarterback. If there's a positive to take from a lot of this, there is no game planning in week two of the preseason. The Cowboys ran a little bit of a no huddle, a little bit of a hurry up. That helped that process along a little bit. But there's no doubt you need to see improvement, significant improvement on both sides of the ball to feel better about things uh, week three against the Steelers. I know most of the game was pretty hard to watch, but there was one bright spot in Marlon Mack. Absolutely. And I think people are going to say, hey, look, you know, 17 touches, so let's not, you know, start carving the guy's bronze bust for Canton or anything like that yet. Uh, but he, you couldn't have done much more on those 17 touches. 
he or 17 snaps. I'm saying 17 touches, seven touches, 17 snaps. He had five carries for 45 yards. He had two catches for 14 yards. Here's a stat from Pro Football Focus that's really interesting. On those seven touches, he broke five tackles or caused five missed tackles. That's an incredible elusive rating. It's obviously something that would be very difficult to, to keep up over the course of, of an entire game. But uh, when you go back and you watch some of the, the film of, of these games, the clips of that game, and you see defenders being tied in knots trying to catch him, one, one Dallas defender turned himself around, fell down because he just really couldn't catch up to him. There was another on that same play where he hit a gap and two Dallas defenders collide trying to get him. They, they don't get there in time. They hit each other. That kind of thing is something that, that will definitely raise your eyebrows. Now, obviously, Mac has to show consistency, and I think that's something that we'll talk about later in the show. But as far as debuts go, it's been a long time, I think, since a running back has, has caused this much excitement in his first action. All right. We're very excited about this next segment of the show. When we come back, we'll be one-on-one with Colts rookie safety Malik Hooker. Horseshoes and hand grenades, ranking this week's Colts news. Kind of a special edition here today of Inside the Locker Room. we got the first-round pick with us today, Malik Hooker. Uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend for Malik. Still not sure whether or not he's going to play. He is back practicing now after missing some time again last week with a shoulder injury. He kind of downplayed that. He said it's more of a precaution than anything else. Everybody's aware of the fact that he had two offseason surgeries and he missed all of the spring. And I think the Colts are definitely, you know, putting a little bit of bubble wrap around him to an extent, trying to make sure that he's as healthy as possible for week one. But this week is really important to him. And I think you're going to hear him say that very early in this interview because he grew up in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, which is a small town that's about 40 miles or so north of of Pittsburgh. It, it would be very similar for people growing up here in Anderson, where we tape the show and, and where we are in comparison to Indianapolis. Uh, so it's really a homecoming for him in a lot of ways. He's going to have a lot of fans there. And uh, I, I think we touched on that with Malik and also a couple of other things that should be of interest. So I hope you enjoy the talk. What does it mean uh, if you get to play at Pittsburgh so close to home? Oh, it'd definitely be a great thing. You know, it's a hometown. Um, family, a lot of families going, you know, a lot of friends too. And just going out there and being able to play this lifelong dream that I've dreamed of since I was young and have everybody that's been watching me grow since I was young be there and see me play in person, it'd definitely be a great thing for me. Have you got a lot of ticket requests? Uh, not really. It's just mainly my family, you know, household and, you know, a few close friends, some families outside of that, but not really. You grew up about an hour from Pittsburgh? Yeah, about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, you know, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, very small town, but, you know, it's like when you talk to somebody that's from out of town, you say Pittsburgh because they don't know Newcastle, so, <laughs> so Pittsburgh is basically my home as well. Did you, if I remember correctly, you spent your draft day in Pittsburgh, right, at a children's hospital? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of come full circle now? Yeah, for draft day, I stopped, went to uh, Pittsburgh's Children's Hospital and uh, spent my, my day there, you know, just, just talking to a lot of kids. I was sick and, you know, not able to be able to basically live through what I'm living through because of stuff that they can't control. So, you know, I just wanted to go there and write somebody else's day because, you know, that day was a special day for myself. So just had to pass off the energy to somebody less fortunate. Speaking of kids in that area, you grew up a Colts fan in Newcastle. What advice do you have maybe to a kid now who's going to be watching the Colts watching you play? Oh, uh, Just, you know, just keep keep on 
keep pretty much just keep fighting. You know, there's not too many people from back home that make it out. Not too much positivity going on back there, but you know, I feel like it's good to be different from everybody else. You know, you don't got to follow the path of, you know, being in jail or anything like that that happens at home. So just tell them, you know, just just stay mentally focused to whatever goal you set forth, and you know, I achieve it. Do you feel the support that you have back home? And you talk about being a small town. Can you feel that, that community rooting for you? Yeah, I definitely feel it. Like, just this past week, you know, my mom and them's doing shirts that's coming in for the game. And, you know, there's been people requesting all over the place, you know. Been getting updates from my mom's Facebook, and she's getting new notifications about people wanting to buy these shirts that they're selling almost every day. It's, you know, it's crazy. So I definitely feel, you know, a lot of the support and stuff like that coming from back home. From an NFL standpoint, do you feel – I know you're going to listen to the trainers, listen to the coaches, but do you feel like you have enough reps to, to feel comfortable out there yet? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, I, there's always room for more. But, you know, I feel like, you know, I got – uh, uh, not I, I wouldn't say enough. You know, I feel like I can definitely get some more. But I feel like just being able to watch them and study a lot of guys and watching as much film as I do, that if I was to have to go out there – and be, be the guy that I need to be. You know, I feel like I can definitely get the job done just because of the preparation I do for myself throughout the week, and a lot of the older guys help me do throughout the week as well. Thanks to Malik Kirker for joining us here on Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. George, I really think there's a lot of promise in this young player. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are worried, and, and to a certain extent, rightfully, with how he's going to hold up, how durable he's going to be. Uh, but like I said, I think the team is being extra cautious right now, and, and he mentioned that himself. But what you see from him on the field when he's out there is a natural athlete with rare instincts, outstanding ball skills. I think it's going to be fun to watch him grow. Now, that being said, he and the entire defensive secondary are going to have their ups and downs. That's what happens with young guys. Uh, But I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him grow throughout this season. We've got a couple of other sound bites to share with you on Inside the Locker Room this week. This first one is from Zach Banner. Like, I think going to SC had taught me that there's a lot of people to learn from here, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people like Khaled Holmes, um, Matt Barkley, Robert Woods, a lot of guys at SC that when I first got there, maybe the first couple months, I didn't really get of what it was like being a freshman. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make everything count as a rookie. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to learn from Anthony Costanzo. Jack Newhort, Jack Muhort, Muhort, I'm sorry, sorry. Jack Muhort is probably my biggest idol on the team. And not only do I look up to how hard he works, but he's coming off injuries, right? Mm-hmm. He's getting certain reps, but when he's in, he's just, he's the man. And, and he works his tail off. He's hardworking and he's a good guy. And like I said, he's, he's probably my biggest idol. Um, AC, Anthony Costanzo, I stayed over the break after OTAs instead. I went home for, to Guam for a week but instead of going back home to Tacoma or go down to L.A. to see my girl, I stayed out here to work out for him for those three or four weeks. And don't get me wrong, I'm missing the West Coast a little bit. But at the same time, I'm having fun learning from guys like them. You know, one thing I really like about Zach's attitude so far, uh, he, he's a guy who understands he doesn't have all the answers. He hasn't gotten everything figured out yet. He's leaning on other veterans. He's trying to learn as much as he can from the guys who have been there. And I don't know you can ask for much more than that from any rookie. Colts fans should have no problem picking him out uh, as they're watching this weekend. He is a giant among giants in the NFL Uh, towers above a helmet above nearly everyone else on the field so up next we're going to hear from Corey White 
I expect high expectations out of me. I'm not sure what they see, but I'm just going to go out there, control what I can control, you know, play ball, you know, and um, we'll see at the end. Give them a reason to keep you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's all you got to do. Make plays. It's a, a production business. Corey's one of two new defensive backs that the team brought in this week. Chris Colliver, who's a veteran corner as well, uh, also joined the team after some more injuries. Guys are getting banged up. Tevin Mitchell was put on injured reserve. Uh, it's another position where you see guys, there's a lot of competition going on, but there's a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. The good news on the defensive back situation right now, at least as far as the late week goes, Quincy Wilson back in practice. I know some people were worried after he banged up his knee against the Cowboys. He's okay. He's back practicing. Second-round pick, who has also looked promising back on the field. And finally, and inside the locker room this week, here's guard Jack Muhart. I think, you know, the preseason is for working out the kinks, and obviously every game matters, and every time we go out there and play, we want to win. Um, but if the, if the you know, preseason wasn't for practicing and figuring out who we are and forming an identity, then they wouldn't have it. We would just roll into the 16-game season. But, um, you know, I don't think – I think it is too early to draw judgment, draw judgments. We know we all have a lot of work to do, offensive line, offense, uh, the Colts in general, um, on and off the field. So um, it's two weeks into the preseason now. Uh, we got two more, two more to go, a lot of improvements to make, and I believe we'll do that. I think everybody around the team tends to like Jack, and you heard that a little bit in this clip uh, because he's, he's, a, he's a throwback guy. He's an old-school player. Uh, you just get that that feeling from him that he's a guy who could have played in the 70s and 80s with the mud dripping off his face mask and the blood all over his gloves. And uh, he, he loves football. He loves getting mixing it up in the trenches. And I think all of his teammates respect that. That wraps up the Inside the Locker Room portion of our show. And when we get back, we'll answer your burning Colts questions. Horseshoes and hand grenades, ranking this week's Colts news. It's that segment of the show where George answers your Colts question that come to us via Twitter and Facebook. Our first question, George, of the week is, I liked our continuity of our O-line during OTAs. So what has happened with Raven Clark, and does Banner get a shot? Yeah, that's a really good question and a really timely question. Uh, we don't have a good answer exactly on what's happened with Raven Clark. He's had some penalties. I know Pagano was particularly upset in Dallas. Uh, he had a holding call that wiped out a, a big game by Mac on a screen. So Mac would have had three catches uh, in that game if not for that. And that was a play where they were already backed up deep in their own territory, inside their own 10, I believe. Mac made a nice block to keep the free runner from the quarterback, then caught the ball, got a good gain, got them out of the shadow of their own goalpost. The flag comes out, and it's a hold on number 62. And when Pagano was mentioning that postgame in, in the interview, he almost spit out the words number 62. He, he was that upset. So I know that I, I know that one play isn't the only reason. Obviously, Clark had been demoted before that. Jeremy Vunovich started the game. Uh, but there, there is some kind of falling out there, some, some area where Clark has not quite kept the trust that he had with his head coach. As far as Zach Banner goes, he's definitely in the mix. I think it's pretty wide open right now at right tackle. Vunovich seems to be the leader at that spot for the time being, but it's, it's by no means locked up. I think Banner's been coming along you know, slowly here uh, in, like we said earlier, very open to learning and, and to improving. Uh, but this is another spot where I'm not sure that the starter is necessarily on the roster. That's a position that they're going to be looking at when cutdowns come next week. That question came from Tim Niswanger. This next one comes from Cam underscore seven. 
Mac and Gore are going to split the load this season? Yeah, you know, uh, I think to some extent that still depends on how well Marlon Mack can protect the quarterback. That's going to be the biggest thing for him. And Rob Chudzinski was talking about that on Wednesday. He's, he's making strides. He looks good at it in practice. He, he doesn't shy away from the physical nature of the game. But it's very hard to really evaluate that until you see it in live action. So Max carries and Max time on the field is going to depend in some part on how well he can do that. We know that Robert, Robert Turbin is going to be in that mix as well. He's still probably going to be the short yardage guy. He's excelled at that. Uh, he, he's shown again and again that in the red zone he can find the end zone and then on third and short you know he can go and, and get that ball past the marker so there's going to be a lot of battle I think for carries Frank Gore though is 34 years old he needs a little more rest and I think the more Matt can do the more trust he can earn of these coaches the more carries you're going to see him get another question from Cam and I like this one because I wonder the same thing what should we expect to see from a healthy Henry Anderson this year? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's good news that Henry Anderson is healthy, and he's really shown himself to be confident. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, what can we expect from him? I think tremendous run-stopping ability. That's that's probably his number one area of expertise, something he's done all the way back to Stanford, but also a little bit of pass rush. Uh, he's a guy that they can move him inside in the sub packages a little bit. He can help get pressure up the middle. I think the Colts in general are pretty excited about the idea of having some four-man fronts where Anderson's lined up with Jonathan Hankins on the inside and causing some trouble for some interior uh, offensive lines. It's something that really needs to happen because the pass rush right now is one of the weakest parts of this team. Uh, but as they start to the game plan, you're going to see that first time here against Pittsburgh. I think you'll start to see Henry really starting to shine in that area. Our next question comes from Alexander Hernandez. He wants to know if the Colts are finally going to take the heavy approach to the run game with Luck absent. They probably don't have much choice but to do that at this point. Uh, they're going to need to to lean on Gore and maybe a little bit of, of Marlon Mack and, and on Robert Turbin to help move the sticks. Uh, we haven't seen that a lot yet in the preseason, but that's probably not all that surprising because teams generally don't show much of what they're going to do in week one throughout the preseason. Uh, the the one thing about that that's going to be difficult is that Tolzien, Scott Tolzien, needs to show that he can consistently hurt defenses downfield. Right now, we really haven't seen that from him. And as long as that happens, teams are going to come up, stack the box, and take that run away and dare Tolzien to beat them downfield. So, yeah, I think they are going to try to run the ball more, but if Tolzien can start finding guys like T.Y. Hilton out there and, and making defenses at least be honest with that part of the game, that would help matters along tremendously. The next question comes from at Pharaoh underscore Micah. And I love this question too. What are the odds Jojo Natson can crack the 53 man? Yeah, I'm shocked that you love that question. Let me tell you. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting race. We were talking about that a lot in the media room today because the injuries have really caused the calculus to get complicated on that roster right now. Can they carry six receivers? If they do, where does the next guy come from? Where do they take a number away? Maybe you can carry one less linebacker. Maybe you can take a lineman away here or there, especially on the defensive side where they've got some depth. Uh, but it's it's going to be a difficult mix because, in all honesty, as we mentioned at the outset, you know, it doesn't look like Andrew Luck's going to be ready for week one. And – 
if he's not on pup and he's expected to come off of pup before the regular season begins, you're going to have to carry three quarterbacks. That's something they haven't done a lot lately. They've only carried two on the active roster. So there's one spot for an extra wide receiver that's gone. That being said, right now, me personally, and they never ask my opinion, they never will. They should. <laughs> I, I feel like if it comes down to JoJo Natson and Quan Bray, I think JoJo has shown enough in the return game that you feel comfortable with him there. And I think even as a rookie and a first-year player, I think Natson has a lot more potential as a playmaker, as a wide receiver. And you've seen the injuries that have been going throughout camp. Chester Rogers is down right now with a hamstring. Dante Moncrief is still wearing a non-contact jersey in practice. You end up needing that fourth and fifth and sixth wide receiver quite often to play. And I think right now, if you put yourself into a position and you had to lean on one of those guys, I think a lot of people would feel more comfortable with Natson than they do with Bray. The big questions as far as that whole concept goes, though, are how many wide receivers do they keep and what happens with Philip Dorsett? That's actually the subject of the next question. Another one from Cam. Will Philip Dorsett be trade bait for a backup quarterback? Yeah, the rumors are out there. They're pretty strong that he is on the trade market. I don't know that a backup quarterback is really in the mix. Uh, it's hard to really say what his trade value is right now. I think that's going to be the interesting spot. I would think it's going to be something along the lines of a sixth or seventh round pick. But there's some interesting things being thrown around out there. There's a couple inside linebackers, one in Buffalo, Reggie Ragland, who was a second-round pick for them a year ago, uh, who may get cut. There's one in New Orleans, Stephon Anthony, who is falling out of favor. And it, sometimes teams, general managers, will get together and say, hey, look, we've got a guy who, for whatever reason, isn't working in our system. You've got a guy who, for whatever reason, isn't working in your system. Let's swap them, give them both a new look, and, and see how it can happen. Uh It'll be interesting to see if anything develops there or if they just hold on to Dorsett. I don't think they're ready to give up on Philip Dorsett. Everybody knows the speed he has, the talents there. It's just a matter of him bringing it all together. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how that all plays out. This question has to do with another swap of sorts. Do you think Stephen Morris can leap Tolzien if he has a good game against the Steelers? No. Uh, you know, they have talked constantly about competition since really since Chris Ballard got here but the one area where there is no sign of true competition has been at the quarterback slot they really have not given Morris a chance to compete with Tolzien or to, to push him at all and there was no real indication this this week that that's going to change uh, Chuck Pagano continues to to defend Tolzien I know that Rob Chudzinski said he's comfortable and he feels like he's ready to go into the season with, with Tolzien if that's what they need to do. Uh, I think Stephen Morris has earned that backup slot. I think he's going to probably stay in that number two role. But, uh, you know, i got to be honest, I, I just don't think the team's going to give him a shot to take over that number one spot. All right. I think the best question of the week comes from at Day Blue Man. And this is, go this is a thinker. If Chris Ballard could replace any current position player with an all-pro, which position would be the most beneficial for the next 16 weeks? Yeah, that is a really, really good question and is a really fun one to think about. Uh, you know, if he hadn't put the last part on there about the next 16 weeks, I would, I would go the easy route and say quarterback because obviously they've had struggles in that position, the offense has just not been able to get the ball moving at all. 
uh, in any consistent fashion. So, but when you talk about 16 weeks in the full season, my feeling is outside linebacker that if they could go and get a pass rusher like a Von Miller, a pass rusher uh, who's in that elite status, I think that could change just about everything about this defense. They've got a young defensive backfield that's going to struggle. It's going to make its own mistakes because it's what rookies do. I think all three rookies uh, that have played, Malik Hooker, Quincy Wilson, Nate Hairston, who, by the way, has been starting in the nickel spot. Uh, we'll see if that changes with the new guys that came in. But all three rookies that have played have had their, their good moments. They've had their bad moments. And it's going to be probably a roller coaster with them throughout the season if they had a pass rush that was hurrying that quarterback a little more just help those those young guys so much more change everything about the defense so my final answer is outside linebacker I should have known you would have taken a linebacker <laughs> <laughs> all right that wraps up the Pony Express for this week George why don't you tell the folks how they can reach us and send us our questions yeah absolutely as always you can reach me on Twitter at GM Bremer or you can send us a Facebook note at my professional page which is George M. Bremer all right, when we come back, George will give you the best and the worst of the week. Horseshoes and hand grenades, ranking this week's Colts news. It's the horseshoes and hand grenades segment of our show. George, you've got a horseshoe for Marlon Mack. Yeah, that was kind of an easy one, right? I got yeah, a free that, space this week. I think week. that was the first one that you were like, oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, no, I, I really did. And so we can't really say enough about Mack uh, and, and how good he looked. He was exciting, and we talked about it earlier been a long time i think since a running back a young running back came into indianapolis and opened eyes the way marlon mack was able to uh in that in that first uh appearance now obviously it's brief and, and you need to see more of him and you need to see more consistency of him but i think people don't need to look that far back to, to andrew luck's rookie season and watch vic ballard get better and better as that season went on and how much that helped the offense uh it's really easy to get excited about mack and it'll be fun to see if he can go out against Pittsburgh and just add to that buzz. The first hand grenade of the week goes to the offensive line injuries. We talked about it a lot already on the show, but it's such an important area. Haig has missed time. Muhort has missed time. Ryan Kelly's out for the first month of the season. The one thing that this offense could not afford beyond a, a prolonged absence from Andrew Luck was injuries along the offensive line. They've been banged up tremendously in that area, and it's really hurting the cohesion. It's hurting the ability for this line to, to grow together, and it's hurting the coaches' abilities to uh, find that best five, evaluate them properly, and, and get the line together that will start week one in L.A. I still think there's a chance one, maybe two guys who will start against the Rams are playing for other teams right now. Our second horseshoe of the week goes to a guy I'm excited is looking good in camp, Barkevious Mingo. Yeah, you've been a Barkevious Mingo fan all the way back to his uh, days at the at the NFL Combine when he was a rookie coming out of LSU. He's a guy everybody knew had speed. He's obviously struggled to, to do that in the regular season, and we'll still see you know, maybe, maybe these are preseason mirages right now from him, but both weeks he's made plays. He made probably the biggest defensive play in Dallas hitting – uh, Kellen Moore getting the strip sack and, and causing what led to a defensive touchdown. So he's got a long way to go. He'd be the first to tell you that. Uh, I think he's going to have an impact on special teams, if nowhere else. But he's been playing consistently with the second team, and, and he looks 
like the exciting, explosive player a lot of people thought he could be. Now, I'm not predicting that the, the Pro Bowl season is in the works or anything like that, but so far he looks like a guy who can contribute on third down and help this team in an area it desperately needs some assistance. Our second hand grenade of the week goes to Dak Prescott and Des Bryant dropping some hand grenades <laughs> on the defense in that opening drive. I mean – from a Dallas standpoint, I don't know if it could have been better. Dak Prescott looked exactly like they want him to look. Des Bryant's clearly ready for the regular season. They can go ahead and take the next couple of weeks off. They're done. They're ready to go. Uh, defensively for the Colts, we talked about it at the offset. It was disgusting. It was something that they are not in any way proud of, and it's got to change quickly. Quickly or somebody loses their job? I'll tell you, it's going to be interesting. Those players, right now, nobody on the roster should feel comfortable. I will say that. All right, our final horseshoe of the week goes to Zach Banner. Yeah, he's an interesting dude. 6'9", I think 350. Uh, he's a really articulate guy. He's a fun guy to talk to. Uh, he's got a huge personality that matches his huge size. He's always singing. He's always always singing. Always singing. That's true. Uh, today he was going off on a, a tangent about swine. And that his girlfriend initially didn't want to eat swine and, and he had to wonder whether or not they could be in a relationship. I mean, this is the kind of guy he is. He, he's a fun guy. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to like him as it goes, but he's got to produce on the field. He's been growing every day, according to Chuck Pagano. That right tackle spot's up for grabs. It's been a good week for Zach Banner. He needs to go out against Pittsburgh and build on that and get even more trust from the coaching staff. That's it for Horseshoes and Hand Grenades segment of our podcast and almost it for our show. But before we go, George, what do we need to see out of the Colts in Game 3, which a lot of people say is the most important game of the preseason? Yeah, it starts with the defense, right? I mean, we've been talking about it a lot this show. Uh, they're going to get the most playing time that they're going to get in any point because the starters aren't going to play very much against Cincinnati at all. They're going to game plan for this game like they would for a regular season game. And they're going to face a guy in Ben Roethlisberger who, quite frankly, has destroyed the Colts the last few years. So I think it's going to be a really good test. It's going to be a really good gauge of where they are. They need to show that they can put a little pressure on, on Roethlisberger. The young guys in the defensive backfield needs to prove that they can make some plays. And they're going to be tested. Antonio Brown is probably going to play. Le'Veon Bell will not play, but that's a good Pittsburgh offense. It's a Pittsburgh offense that has hurt this team consistently, uh, really in the, in the Chuck Pagano era. And I, th I think first and foremost, the defense needs to show that last week was an aberration and that they have taken a step forward. John Simon, if you're out there listening to our podcast, I'd like a sack this week, please. <laughs> All right, we also uh, need to see Mac repeat his performance. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit earlier too, but uh, I think the number one thing for him right now as a young guy is consistency. And what you saw in Dallas was exciting. It made you want to see more. Now he's got to come out against Pittsburgh again in a game that's going to be game-planned and, and show some of the same things. Show that elusiveness, show that speed, uh, show the things that – make him right now look like he could be one of the steals of the draft, but he's got to do it every week. That's the thing about the NFL. First impressions are great. You got to go out there and do it week after week. I think something that will make the fans happy is we probably will see Stephen Morris play with the twos. Yeah, definitely going to see Stephen Morris play with the twos. He should come in early in the third quarter instead of late in the fourth as he has uh, in the first two games. And, and he's in a spot too where I mentioned earlier, I, I really don't think he's got a chance to move up the depth chart, uh, but 
he can go out there and keep producing and put as much pressure as he possibly can on the coaching staff, make that decision as difficult for them as he possibly can make it. And I'll tell you what, seven games now or six games now uh, that he's been out there and going back to last year and, and he every time has led a touchdown drive. So he keeps producing. He seems like a guy who's, you know, they like to refer to gamers. He seems like a guy who's better in the games than he is in practice. Uh, he's, he's taking a great attitude, a great work ethic this year. It'll be interesting to see what he can do in a game that's game plan, see if he can continue to move the offense and put points on the board. Speaking of the offense, I know you have one wish for them this weekend. Yeah, convert a first down, please. I think they were one of, I want to say, 12 on Saturday at, against the Cowboys, and they're 5 of 30 on third down so far in the preseason. That's inexcusable. Nobody. No offense anywhere at any level of football from peewee all the way up to the NFL is going to be successful if they cannot stay on the field on third down. A lot of things going wrong with this offense right now. That is number one atop the list. They need to find a way to move the chains on third down, stay on the field, and give that defense a little bit of a breather. All right, George will be in Pittsburgh this weekend for that all-important Game 3. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at GM Bremer for live updates and insights from the game. As always, thanks for listening, and you can always find us on your local CNHI Sports Indiana website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you subscribe to our show, please go ahead and give us a star rating so we know how we're doing. We'll be back next week to discuss the Steelers game, what we can expect in Game 4, and, fingers crossed, hopefully the deactivation of Andrew Luck. Maybe. So until we talk to you again, remember the immortal words of Ted Theodore Logan and Bill S. Preston Esquire? Be excellent to each other. You've been listening to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Bremer. For more Colts news and information, follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. And join us next time for more of the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast.